why I returned to live streaming on Twitch. TLDR, I'm going back to live streaming on Twitch after testing YouTube streaming for a few months. After this three to four month experiment of streaming on YouTube, I am still left with a difficult decision of where to stream in 2023. I think the pros and cons of Twitch and YouTube are equal for me. And as much as I dislike Twitch as a platform, it is simply easier to stream there. I like being able just to click a button and stream rather than dealing with making a thumbnail, getting chat links to put into OBS and waiting 30, 60 seconds after pressing start for the stream to actually start. It isn't even just how long it takes to start, it's the complete ambiguity of it, where I'm sitting there going, chat, can you see me? Chat, can you see me? Chat, can you see me? Like, it's embarrassing. Along with this, it is the unknowns of YouTube that disturb me. While there are endless reasons why my channel could have struggled somewhat over the last few months, it is impossible to rule out my live streaming there. The instinct when difficulties arise is to attempt to reverse course to when they were not present, and so I am left desiring to do that now. Additionally, I think mentally, I like hiding on Twitch to some extent. YouTube is my livelihood. Making a mistake in what I do there or how my live stream is presented could have massive consequences. But on Twitch, it is just Twitch. So who cares? I think my plan moving forward will be to stream on Twitch, but do the occasional big stream on YouTube. I'm very conflicted about it, especially as I know a lot of you liked me streaming here. So maybe this idea won't stick as well. We shall see. I would greatly appreciate you all following me on Twitch and giving me a chance there again. I can't link anything as YouTube will nuke this post. A good way to know when I'm live or when I release a video is to use Discord. In the Roll React section, you can ask to receive a ping for one or the other. I wish you all the best. Sorry if it seems like I'm screwing with you all by jumping between platforms. I'm just trying to find what suits me best and how I can make the best content I can for the most people. But like, it does suck to have to go back to struggling and trying to bring people over to Twitch. Will creators flee YouTube as it becomes more restrictive? If people have to choose between like the cut of $30 billion or something that YouTube brings in, like half of which they give to creators, and <laughs> being on another platform with like one one millionth of the viewership, they're just gonna swear less. Regardless of what policies that YouTube puts forth, people are just going to obey those policies. The reason why people are a bit annoyed about this one is because it's retroactive. You can't obey future policies in the past. So like, there's a possibility that YouTube one day unleashes a new policy where you can't have characters named Michael in your videos for whatever reason, and I'll just be screwed. That's everyone's fear, right? So I've always sworn in my videos, especially because I play a violent video game, and I've always been fine. I've not gotten age-gated or demonetized all that much. I've had to remove a thing or two here or there, but nothing particularly serious. But one day, America could become even more Puritan, and uh, suddenly even, like, F.U. is, like, a sin against God, and we have to, like, chuck such people into pits with spikes in them, and I'll be screwed. An obscenely rich person sits around watching others work hard, and the crowd applauds. So for those who have watched my series about reaction content, um, to summarize, reaction content is a system of exploitation that specifically disadvantages everyone in order to put money and, uh, well, exposure of viewers and therefore money in the hands of the incredibly lazy. So, Pinely is a creator that I stumbled across a couple of months ago. Watched a few of their videos. They've got a fairly interesting presentation style. You may have seen their video, the Mr. Beastification of YouTube, it got pretty big. And of course, because he's become somewhat successful, the reactors come in to take their slice of the pie, smelling blood in the water. So he writes, the person who posted the VOD of Hassan reacting to my video is about to overtake my own video in views, all off of stealing my title, my thumbnail, and the video I spent three weeks working on in one day. 
The formatting here is clearly to make it seem like Asan just made the original video, replacing my face with his, more famous face. It's the channel's best performing video of the week, all the while not crediting my original video in the description. Emailed them, but no response. I appreciate Hassan putting my video on such a huge platform, but it's mind boggling to think that this random ass VOD person is about to make more money from my video than I did after spending about 200 hours on it. I took a lot of pride in making every element of this video from the scripting to the editing of the thumbnail all by myself, but I guess that doesn't really matter on YouTube. If people would leave a comment under this video about this, that would be great. So. The reason why Hassan has a huge platform is because it was built by people like Pinely. It's kind of like Hassan has siphoned from thousands of people a large enough viewership that people don't recognize where that viewership came from. And so they're like, oh, there's something that I helped build but get nothing out of. I'm so happy to have been a cog in the machine to produce that Hassan. Like this dude has just been massively exploited and he's like witnessing in action how this exploitation works, just not specifically done by Hassan, and he hates it. It's like, I only want to be exploited by Hassan. I want, I only want to be one of the thousand bits of coal that Hassan throws into his train to keep that thing running. I don't want someone else to use me in that way. And it's just sad. Like, Pinely is smart. I've seen his videos. Does he not pause for a second and go, wait a second. If Hassan sits for 10 hours a day watching other people work hard and claims this is advertisement, why doesn't his viewership go down? If he is advertising competing experiences of watching other creators, then why doesn't his viewership go down? Why does it keep going upwards over time? And the answer is because this system of exploitation extracts more viewers and more exposure from the market than it gives. And if it didn't do that, people wouldn't do reaction content. The entire reason reaction content is done is because it disadvantages people like Pinely who actually make the content that is reacted to. If reactors lost viewers, cause viewers to go watch someone else in the market, then they would stop doing reaction content. Either because they would recognize this and just stop immediately because they wouldn't want to hemorrhage viewers, or they'd have to stop because they'd run out of viewers. It's, it's like Hassan's got a pie and he's like, I am sharing this pie with other people. And you watch the pie and it never decreases, but he keeps somehow getting more pies. Saying, guys, I'm sharing pie with everyone. As like he's sitting there with 15 trucks full of pies. As a 16 sitting truck rolls up. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. It just sucks to watch people be taken advantage of and then to thank the person exploiting them for doing so. I think 14 pages wasn't enough. You need a whole thesis. I did a whole thesis. The problem isn't that I haven't explained this in great detail in a very convincing way, because I have. And I know it's very convincing because I've had like hundreds of comments of people and, and even creators that I didn't know and very much so respect that say, hey, I watched the video. You've changed my mind completely. But it's just weird to me that people can't come to this conclusion on their own. And that is wrong to say because everyone doesn't know something at some point, right? You don't start with all knowledge or some such. You have to eventually come to conclusions. But you've got an obscenely wealthy person sitting around all day watching other people work hard when 99% of the income that he generates is generated on the back of other people's hard work and he gives them nothing. And from that, you should be given pause and go, wait, is this really a good thing? Is it, does it really benefit me for someone in the market to bring all the best content towards themselves in order to develop an audience? Could Hassan really be advertising other people and having viewers go find them and watch them if he has used this mechanism to become the most watched US Twitch streamer? Could he really grow that fast while sending people elsewhere? And the answer, of course, is no. Like, even if you don't have, like, 
the data and stuff that I that I used in my videos. This should be something that people can reach. And so what's become more interesting to me is trying to conceive of why people don't come to these conclusions themselves. I do talk about some of them in, in some of these videos, but is it the propensity to not want to think badly of others, not want to feel like you've been taking advantage of? There is something called the just world bias. People are biased to wanting to believe the world is just. Like I have had people acknowledge my content in positive ways and it makes you feel good. It's impossible not to. And I suspect that's just the feelings that they have. Oh, isn't this cool that someone is acknowledging what I've created in a very positive way? Not caring about the negative ramifications that the system that has acknowledged them causes. I think about this a lot and I shouldn't. I, I should just let this go, but it's so terrible yet so fascinating to me. But it's bothersome that I have made something that thoroughly, if watched by the populace, would change things, but I can't get them to. I just don't have sufficient charisma to make that sort of thing appealing. I can't break through that emotional desire to keep your own perceptions the same as they are, to continue to act and, and believe as you currently do. It's just a shitty situation. I can't really help the world and I have to sit by and go, oh look, there's another person who was taken advantage of, who smiled the entire way. It's great. I did send him an email though, but I've recognized that even having a million subs and getting hundreds of thousands of viewers and stuff, people still aren't necessarily going to respond to you. It's just as you said with the reaction channels curating content for you, it's ultimately going to come down to the platforms implementing measures against it to protect actual content creators. As much as it does suck now, I believe there will be a gradual change towards limiting reaction content. The only way that's going to happen is if there's outcry from the creators themselves. If enough people come to understand the reality of uh, how reaction content affects the market and how it specifically is designed to disadvantage them. But how are you gonna get that message out? Reaction content by design causes the bad actors to grow faster than anyone else and therefore necessarily have the most influence. And reaction content primarily negatively impacts content creators, not viewers. Well, it does in a very roundabout way as it crushes the actual people who make the content, makes it harder for them to make a living. But I doubt you're gonna convince audiences of that. Like I've had people leave comments where they say, yeah, I understand that reaction content harms people. I like it though, so fuck them. I just need to stop caring. I, I, I say many times, I just need to stop caring about stuff, but maybe a part of me likes trying to make the world a better place. I know, as I said before, I like writing essays as well. I don't really have an outlet to do that. There's not many topics that I'm really passionate about. I'm still so very conflicted with live chat. I know I should just ignore the injustice I see in the world and the harm that people put on other people, or even those who harm themselves unknowingly, and I, they just have such a hard time doing it. But all it does is bring me stress, man. I'll go up one day. Coffeezilla's easy takedown of Logan Paul. What do I think of the CryptoZoo scandal? I know next to nothing about it. Like, obviously, I watch Coffeezilla's videos as well, but I have no additional information or opinion beyond, yeah, that sucks for those involved. The crypto NFT space was just such a good spot for people to uh, rip off desperate people. I think how easy CoffeeZilla took down Logan, well, call it easy, I mean, clearly he did a lot of research. I mean, in terms of the uh, the perception of the public, I think was in part because of how low people's perception of Logan already was. Like, sure, what he did was clearly scummy. But it's, uh, if Logan had a better reputation, people would have been like, oh, maybe we should hear him out. And more people would be like, oh, you know, I, we, I believe Logan, I stand Logan because I like Logan. Logan did way too much to uh, jettison his uh, good public perception for uh, money. I mean, did he ever really have a good public perception? Yeah, surely at one point he did. Are my standards too high for my GTA 5 facts and glitches series? 
You know, only just now I noticed that you can see Brad's body as Trevor is walking away in the left-hand corner of the screen. Never noticed that until now. That's crazy. Because I'm always looking at Trevor. New fact for facts and glitches. Sometimes I think I have too high standards for that series, even though the standard has declined over time. Like so many people still don't know that it was Dave that shot Brad. Like I see shorts sometimes or TikToks, or whatever, where people are like, oh my God, that was, that was Dave? Oh no, oh really? I had no idea. Oh, that's, that's crazy. I have been getting back into speedrunning for years now. This might be a bit odd to say, but I feel like you've been getting back into speedrunning for like a whole year now. It's because I was getting back into speedrunning. I did some partial runs of Deathwish. I learned all of Deathwish, and then I got distracted by something. What was it? It might have been working on Pacifist. Oh, then working on the React videos or whatever. And so I never completed a run of Deathwish. And now I'm back again having to relearn stuff because I'm now doing Classic. Was well, 14 pages. Oh, that 14 pages I did in a day. The whole series was 150 pages. And that took two months. But also Pacifist just took a long time. Weird Al's take on reaction content. I mean, music is infinitely rewatchable, so it doesn't have the same impacts. Although, here's Weird Al's view of uh, reaction content. Today, I'll be reacting to the new Drake video. Here we go. So he just sits here for four minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, that's pretty good. Don't forget to subscribe and smash that like button! By reacting to a song, you aren't really changing that song in any way. Like, Needle Drop gets by perfectly by uh, not putting the songs in his videos. But again, of all things that are probably not really negatively impacted by reaction content, uh, music is definitely high on that list. I have a VOD channel now. Nemesis asks on the Discord, which you can ask me any questions you want for the Ramble series if you are a Twitch subscriber, YouTube member, or a patron. Will you continue to post your VODs on YouTube when you go back to Twitch? I enjoyed being able to watch the True Crime playthrough in full, for example, and would like to do the same for future games. Thank you. I don't really understand the mindset of people who want to watch the VODs, because they're so long. When it's live, like you get to see it first and there's some interaction, of course, but the VOD is just like a much worse YouTube video. With that being said, I am considering relenting and getting someone to upload my VODs to a VOD channel. Now, doing this will be fairly pointless because most people will never learn of the VODs channel existence and therefore will never watch the VODs. Because as I say over and over again, the videos that people watch are those that are presented by the algorithm. And if you upload a video somewhere that doesn't do well in the algorithm, no one will know about it. So the channel will sit there and then like every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, I said the VOD channel. And so I'll be like, oh, what, you have a VOD channel? I've been watching you for 17 years and I've never heard of this VOD channel before. In the same way that my rambles are uploaded to like Spotify and uh, all that stuff now. And even over the months that that happened in the past, I would still have people leave comments like, oh man, I really wish these were on Spotify. And I'd be like, they are on Spotify. You just never look because if the algorithm doesn't give them to you on Spotify, then you just never know that. Regardless, again, I'm thinking about doing it. I am going through my folders to uh, try to catalog all the playthroughs I've done. None of my GTA 5 stuff will get on there. It'll only be playthroughs of other games. Maybe some particular online stuff. We'll see what happens. But I want it to be uploaded roughly in chronological order. So it'll take eons. Maybe I can get most people to do it. I'm sure it won't make any money, but I mean. 
Why I'll never reveal my secret VOD channel. What's the new VOD channel called? I won't tell you. Basically, chat, I've made a VOD channel, but here's the thing. You do not want people to click on videos and not watch them. That's like the worst goddamn thing for a YouTuber. I actually feel bad sometimes when I click on a video and I'm like two minutes in, I'm like, I don't want to keep watching this. I'm sorry, creator, I gotta go. And I just leave and I'm like, ah, oh, I've hurt that person algorithmically. Why did I do this? That hurts you in the algorithm, right? Ideally, you want like your videos to be found by people who watch it all the way through. Especially on a new channel where the videos that I'm going to be releasing will be somewhat weaker because they're not going to be edited condensed things. The only people who will be interested in watching those videos are people who already know me. And so while I have made a VOD channel now, I'm not going to tell you like, hey, go subscribe to this channel. I'm going to be like, look, if you're really interested in that stuff, like really super interested, feel free to go out and look for it. Maybe no one will find it and they'll also be fine. And then later when you get recommended one of the videos, you'll be like, oh, that's that VOD channel of Dark Fiber EU. I'm going to click and watch that just to help him out. The challenge of crafting attractive thumbnails for a new audience. Thumbnail is good of the new video. Thank you. I like the style of it, but I'm not convinced it'd be appealing to like new viewers. Whenever I have a thumbnail, I look at it and I think, would a person who doesn't know me click this? And usually when it's just content of me like playing a game or something, it's very hard to make a thumbnail that like breaks through and is appealing regardless whether or not I'm involved. It is easy to make thumbnails that appeal to people who know you as opposed to those who don't. Getting credibility with a new audience is tough. It's the main criticism of like the thumbnail title format for advertising, right? Like when you go and you scroll through TikTok or YouTube shorts, 99% of the things that you stop on and watch are things that you would scroll over if you only got to see the thumbnail and title. Our pickiness with content Presented that way is uh, a problem. It's a hard nut to crack. Getting a pet to cure my misery. So chat, I've talked for the longest time about potentially getting a cat and I've been so miserable for quite a while that I'm like, I think just having a cat as a distraction would be a good thing. And I just like poke it and pet it whenever I'm angry and just be like, I just like. So it is not easy to get the cat that I want, it's a Siberian because I'm slightly allergic to cats. So I need a hypoallergenic cat, but it's like, to what degree these cats even exist is a little bit debatable. So a Siberian is said to be the best for a person with allergies, but as a minor, very minor allergies, like my eyes get a little bit itchy or something, went around cats for a long time. Like I used to go to my friend Patrick's house and it would take like hours before I'd see any effects. So I'm thinking that a Siberian cat should be good for me. So I looked into when a new litter is going to be available because they are rare cats and it's uh, at the end of January. So I've gone to the end of January to think about it. I will show you the previous litter that I missed out on. Ain't they cute? I liked in this one, this little back one here. It looks a little bit derpy. Reminds me of Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> he just, just, just runs away. I know when they're kittens, they're more cute than when they're cats. But, like, cats kind of take care of themselves. You just, like, give them a bunch of stuff, and then they just take care of themselves, whatever. You have an automatic feeder. Well, I mean, you'd want to feed the cat normally, but I mean, just feed them twice a day and change the litter. Yeah, exactly. Like, with dogs, I would have to get into a much more strict routine 
of like going for walks and stuff, which I'm not sure I would want to. Like dogs should be walked ideally twice a day, which most people I imagine don't. Yeah, I do think a cat would better fit my lifestyle than a dog. The reason I was thinking about getting a dog though was just so that I could go, I want an excuse to exercise. Like I could just get a cat and a dog. May I do some research into getting a dog? I can't decide because I don't like making long-term commitments into anything, chat. Like I avoid unnecessary responsibility because I'm afraid of letting people down or unforeseen consequences causing me to not be able to meet those obligations. And getting a pet? That's a decade. Just like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this for a decade. That's tough. Pets help mental health, exactly. Please don't be one of those people who give away their pets after a few months. Funnily enough, I've organized for that. Because, again, I can't test these cats beforehand. They don't do that anymore. So I could get the cat and just be allergic. And I would have to give it away. I said to my sister, are you willing to take it? And she's like, yeah, okay. Because it costs $4,000. It's an expensive cat. This is an Australian dollars chat. Hyperallergenic cats are not cheap, chat. My editor has disappeared without a trace. It's really strange, because the Franklin DLC video was meant to come out quite a while ago, but um, Andre, the person editing it, just disappeared. I mean that sincerely, like, like, just disappeared. Like, there was no argument or something, or any issues, it's just like, he was talking about working on the stuff, and then just, he disappeared. Unusual? Yeah, very unusual. Unfortunate, because he was working on the uh, Doki Doki Literature Club video. So that was finally going to come out after all these years. Doki Doki Literature Club is a visual novel that's uh, a very strange one that um, was a meme for a bit. The harsh reality of those who succeed at the expense of others. I would sub to you, but my debit card got stolen when I was swimming at a hot spring. The guy who stole it from me told me that he would watch my car so nobody would break into it. He was the only human for 10 miles. God damn, that sucks. I remember seeing this video of just this unassuming, nice-looking couple who were at a restaurant and just as they were leaving, looked in a person's jacket and saw a wallet. And so they just took it and walked off without just hesitation. Like, oh, look, it's money. And then just gone. There's some people who just have that mindset, you know, where it's like, ah, oh, I can fuck someone over and get something. Who cares about them? It's all about me. Sounds like reactors. I wasn't going to make that joke. But if you're going to make that joke, which isn't really a joke, it's absolutely true. Uh, feel free. <laughs> How often do you rewatch YouTube videos? You're glad YouTube bought back the red progress bar? Why is that? Well, what I was seeing is that while watching YouTube videos, it would show a gray bar permanently underneath it. It was very small and easy to not notice, but it would always show the progress you had with the video. Not sure if you guys had this as well, but I guess they were trying to see if always being aware of how long the video was had left, uh, like what, what would that do to your viewing preferences and patterns? It is certainly the case that sometimes I look at a video and I think, well, have I watched this before? And I noticed the red line and I'm like, oh, well, I have watched it because the red line's there. It could be possible that some videos, I would just forget I watched them and I would re-watch them happily if there wasn't some indication that I had watched them before. Like, I'm sure these are the sorts of things that YouTube tests out. Like, the reason why YouTube will recommend you videos you've already seen is because people will click videos that they've already seen and will re-watch them sometimes. They wouldn't do that if it didn't result in people clicking videos. Ranking my years from worst to best. Am I ready for 2020 part three? I mean, I had an alright 2020. In terms of rankings, my years would go like 2022, 2019, 2021, 2020. 